0: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, i bite the klug, Nick Hart. I'm Nick out of 40percentGerman.com and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Simon Maddox. And this week we are also joined by Abby Young powell an award-winning feature writer, reporter, foreign correspondent and editor. Abby writes about Germany, Europe, environment, global development, social justice tech women's rights and more on a regular basis for multiple publications while in Germany she has worked on a freelance basis for the Guardian Deutsche Welle and the Telegraph and many others covering Germany and Austria so welcome Abby to the podcast
1: hi it's good to be here cool so thank you for having me
0: um we d- I don't want to just jump over it but uh, I think we have to uh, talk about the elephant in the room which is um, Simon's hangover today which <laughs> is quite fun because he usually complains about mine so Simon tell us I, I, I why are you hanging about your hangovers you you have i've i've, I've added the podcast remember so i'm hearing <laughs> all your complaints
2: well i don't forget that i'm recording when you walk away uh, to be sick in a bucket <laughs> um, uh, that's never happened i have never done that i'm just perpetuating fake news here whilst i have my chance um so yeah i'm, I'm hungover for the first time recording i made it to episode what is this 62 um believe it is 62 yeah it's my first one with a hangover so let's see how this goes i'm thrilled to have abby on uh, not only because she's going to be a really good guest but also it takes the pressure off me <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah it was my first time in a pub uh basically since the start of corona felt really good to be in a nice mm-hmm. irish pub watching a bit of rugby watching the six nations um drinking some lovely franconian beer and uh yeah catching up with the lads uh, so yeah good times abound, and I had a kebab on the way home. So it was a, a oh, full, yes, rounded, lads' night out. <laughs> That's the tradition. Was it a
1: special occasion for the
2: first night in the pub? No, um, <laughs> not at all. I've been talking to a friend of mine. We text all the time when the football's on. And he, I caught him a few times when he was in the pub, and I was like, oh, it's sounding like something I want to do because uh, I've been very careful uh socially and distancing and all that and um yeah i asked him the other day like you're going to be out next weekend and then he invited a few people so i I guess it was a slightly special occasion for others because i was there for the first time but (laughs) there was nothing to celebrate apart from me being out in the real world um so yeah it was it was good good times yeah okay
0: well we'll move away from your um your dirty night out let's uh talk to abby what i'm assuming you don't have a hangover you look pretty fresh from where <laughs> i'm sitting so
1: no i haven't been doing it yeah i've still not been doing loads of stuff but yeah no i'm good yeah like what have i been doing we actually had me and some friends we had a uh, thanksgiving dinner recently which was Ooh. uh in february surprisingly <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah it
0: was there a reason why you did it? just because you couldn't see each other before or yeah, why
1: I can't remember, I think everyone just got busy and it was like, okay, let's put it off, let's just do it in the new year and it was going to be like at the beginning of January and Mm. then it just kept getting later and later, so we ended up doing it like last week or something. Um, But yeah, it was pretty nice.
0: Did you have pumpkin pie?
1: (laughs) No, my friend actually made um, chicken chicken wings, Uh, so it was Mm -hmm. like kind of all sorts of random things, everyone bought different dishes. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of meant to be vegetarian, I'm mostly vegetarian, but... um, (laughs) I had loads of meat at this dinner, so that was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what else have I been doing? Just the usual. Also, it was in the the uh, the sauna the other day, which I love here. So that's also like my favourite hobby: going to the sauna in uh, Germany.
0: Do you not feel horrendously uncomfortable in German saunas? I mean, I'm just saying based on my experiences of being incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable in German saunas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually love. German saunas, um, yeah. I mean, no, I don't feel I don't feel uncomfortable in them anymore. Like, I think the first time that I went in a German sauna, I was like, it was a massive shock. But I've been here long enough now that I like definitely adapted to the German way of doing mm-hmm. things. I don't know. I prefer it to, to the British way of doing it.
0: Well, the British way would be do you go in clothed, and the German way is <laughs> fully clothed. Yeah, a, for, yeah, suit. you're wearing basically a three piece <laughs> suit. That's why you you do it in Britain, uh, and a hat. And an overcoat. Yeah, I uh, know. Um, you, you 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 wear like swimming trunks or whatever, or a swimsuit. But in Germany, it's you don't wear anything except a towel. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, basically, basically, and they're really strict about it. So it's like, um yeah, it's textile-free, no swimsuit or trunks or anything, just a towel.
0: I'm already getting anxious just you talking about it. I'm already <laughs> yeah. mad. I'm like, oh.
1: Um, <laughs> and if you go in and something, they will literally kick you out. Like you, you will be the you will be the one that's stared at because you'll be like, why is this person wearing clothes in the swim? That's ridiculous. Oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> it's very different. Do you not, do you not. I mean, I'm assuming when you first did it, you would have felt like pretty nervous or were you mm-hmm. just like, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm totally, I mean, I don't know what type of person you are, but maybe that you are sort of freewheeling. <laughs> so I'm just, not freewheeling in that way, but.
1: Yeah, no, I wasn't always someone that was like, Woo, I'm just going to take my clothes off everywhere I go. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Like uh, the first time that I went in the uh, sauna, I actually didn't know about the the rule that you had to take off um, your clothes. So I went in with my like bikini or whatever it was. On oh wow! And yeah, and there was actually it was quite quiet, but there was just one um, one like older older man there, and he like I couldn't really speak German at all, and he said something to me, and I was like, oh, I don't know what you're saying and then he um that kind of like motioned to me like
0: all <laughs> oh, right, no to
1: take my yeah to take my clothes off so kind of like, oh, yeah. uh, it's hard to do all the podcast but yeah like motioned to me to take my clothes off so and then I like freaked out because I thought okay like I'm being harassed
0: yeah so. yeah totally you would do exactly yeah
1: <laughs> so I left I'd like paid to go to the this whole spa and I left this is like the first like 20 minutes and i left the whole place and i think i like wrote my friends and was like oh my god this just happened to be in this order it was horrendous uh, and i think eventually someone told me like oh y- <laughs> you realize that you're not meant to wear your clothes and so don't like, "Ah, okay so yeah the first time it wasn't even so much that it was uncomfortable it was it was just uh, i didn't even stay so yeah it's that was-
0: totally wild like your, your <laughs> mind must have been totally racing i can only imagine it's yeah. like what yeah. the hell is going on this is really yeah Well, I mean, and now it's obviously totally normal, and it's it's not an issue. But I I don't know, Simon. Do you? Have you? Are you a big sauna user? I don't know what the question is. I'm asking. Not at (laughs) all.
2: No. 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 I I mean, I'm not particularly prudish about talking about these kinds of topics. That's fine. But like public nudity is something that the only time I sort of had to do it was boarding school, and I I Mm. think those sort of like communal shower flashbacks. Uh, sort of taints the whole thing. I think having to do communal showers when like you're like going through different stages of puberty... <laughs> it's it's uh, really not fair. <laughs> is, ...isn't great for like body confidence. Not, not at all. So yeah, it's not something that I want to do. It's, it's something my wife is... She's a big fan of it. Like, she's a German, obviously, and she loves a good sauna, but it's not something that I've been able so far to bring myself to do. Uh, So it's very much a sort of, my wife would go off and have a a sauna afternoon on her own. Mm. Um, Maybe one day I'll become brave enough, but at the moment, my my Britishness kicks in so hard uh, at the prospect of being naked in a room with like, yeah, loads of old men telling me <laughs> tell i'm you, not allowed to wear take the clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> have,
1: have you tried like did you go and it was awful or have you just avoided it completely
2: i've avoided it completely like, i did saunas in the uk and like that was already a little bit uncomfortable for me just like being in i think the notion of like breathing in everyone else's sweat uh, mm. isn't something that i'm particularly fond of and yeah the idea of having my sort of my lack of self-confidence sort of completely destroyed by loads of old dudes who just don't give a shit <laughs> some jacked um, old dude who's just like yeah who's hey, just like, no,
0: couldn't
2: <laughs> yeah completely brazenly naked it's, it's just yeah i'm not there yet maybe one day but uh it's not really
0: public nudity though is it? it's like public not public because it's not like you're sitting in the street it's sort yeah. of it's not like one of the, the, the um what's the name of the um the nudist group in germany the FKK, car car that's it which is well, it's like very established, isn't it? It's really sort of an established. And definitely, I think in the east of Germany, it's more popular than the west, I think, if that's right. Or oh, it might be the other way around. I feel like I might have got that mixed up. But,
2: um, I mean, it, it, right. it started in the, in the German Empire um, mm-hmm. and sort of started in the late 19th century. So it's been around for a long time. Freikörper Kultur uh, mm-hmm. is the FKK. Mm-hmm. And yeah, communal open-air nudity uh, is sort of the notion of it. So like, it was part of public health. <laughs> and it is yeah obviously it's been around for a long time in german culture so yeah it's, it's an interesting way of dealing with the stress of modern life <laughs> yeah. they do they do, they do those swimming events don't they where
0: the like people jump in the in the north sea at, like new year and they say like how good it is for your constitution or something like that <laughs> i feel like that's a victorian phrase but yeah like it's good to sort of swim in really cold water
1: i yeah, I, 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 was actually interviewing someone the other day. It was a doctor and they said that, um, there are theories that the they going from hot like a, a hot sauna into cold water or like you're going into mm. water or whatever is uh, a good way of boosting your or like giving you uh, more vitamin d so it kind of developed in countries that are right. low in vitamin d as a sort of self care in, in the winter.
0: sweden and scandinavia and things yeah. like that yeah i don't yeah. know
1: i don't know how much truth that has necessarily but i thought it was an interesting theory
0: well that's what they do though isn't it in mm. in sweden the at least i only know because my brother-in-law spent some time in sweden and he said how much fun it was to be in a sauna and then run out and jump in the snow Mm. so like i know it's a thing but i do think germans are more comfortable with like just being in the scud because that's my sense i was actually it's not it's it's a wikipedia hole i never thought i'd fall into but i looked up uh, (laughs) a british uh, uh, naturalism or naturism i think it Mm. is and it didn't even like clearly state this isn't against the law. They ex- basically explained that there's advice to police that as long as it's passive nudity, I believe was the phrase, then it's okay but um aggressive nudity was obviously um prohibited
2: aggressive
1: nudity,
0: yeah well, yeah i think that's the phrase and, nudity, well. well i can like sort of jump <laughs> out of a bush and going, look at this <laughs> way like i'd imagine that would be the uh yeah. the definition but but they didn't say oh it's legal and, and actually the naturists have had to fight to get their rights recognized to walk around in the nude and it's funny because it doesn't seem like that's even an issue necessarily it's like oh People are in the um, FK car mm. and that's their hobby and that's fine. And if you want to go to a nude sauna, that's okay. It just seems people are more body confident, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it's more in the just general consciousness or where people are brought up. Like, I guess mm. there's there's more FK car everywhere. It's not just the saunas, you also have sections mm. at lakes or yeah. um, swimming pools, have sometimes like certain hours where it's uh, FK car.
2: And I think, yeah, I
1: think it's just a bit more, you're a bit more surrounded by it, maybe from a bit of a, a younger age. And I think, I think British people, maybe in particular, we're really, we're not brought up to be comfortable with this. And I think that's, I think it's more natural to be brought up to be. Not completely afraid of being naked. I think it is. I think it is. It more people are more comfortable with it here. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, in a way, it's us as British people that maybe need to kind of rethink that. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think that's true. I remember going on a canoeing trip uh, in the Ardèche when I was at school, mm. and there were some nudist beaches. I mean, that was already a little bit shocking. I would have been like thirteen, I think, and seeing like loads of naked people in France was already a bit like crazy. But I'm never going to forget seeing a father and his son fishing together naked. On the edge of the Ardesh, it was really—I just couldn't curious imagine. Curious sight. It was—it was strange. I—I—I I, I, I never would have done that with my father. That's for sure. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like especially growing up as a as a girl in in the UK, I feel like you get a lot of messaging that's kind of like, oh, you know, if you wear a short skirt, like mm-hmm. you're kind mm-hmm. of like um, asking for trouble, all these kind of things. So it's quite. Liberating, or yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, but it's quite um nice to be able to go somewhere and everyone is naked and it's not a big deal and it doesn't doesn't matter if you are there's, there's something quite special about that I feel
0: my wife's family are far well they're all German, so they're far more sort of comfortable in their own bodies than mm. the weird British guy in their midst um <laughs> but I was like we were doing some work yesterday at, the, at their house, and all the family was there, and it was really that was really nice and um I kept. My brother-in-law was using a chainsaw, so he kept changing in and out of these trousers that were like chainsaw, chainsaw trousers? That doesn't seem like a <laughs> phrase that works. And um, They were like specially safety trousers for using a chainsaw, so they wouldn't, if a chainsaw hits it, it won't like cut through them and stuff like that. And uh, I kept walking, I it happened to every day, all the-, all the way through the day, I kept walking past as he was getting changed. And I think it was the last <laughs> time I was like, yeah, man, would you stop like getting changed in front of us, it's ridiculous. And he was like laughing. And I said, you know, like 10 years ago, I would have been totally freaked out by like family members getting changed like her family getting changed and now it's not really a thing and I think I'd go for a sauna if all the family were going actually would feel less weird mm. than if it was like some randoms and I don't know yeah. why that why that it's like it sort of cut the comfort of like that sort of dynamic in the relationship whereas it it's it just seems like yeah the idea of having like just strangers that's the thing i think that freaks us out a little bit like i don't know
1: i almost feel the opposite like i feel yeah. like strangers is somehow like especially if everyone mm-hmm. else is naked then it's like okay that's not such a big deal but some yeah the friend i, I go to the store with a friend with friends sometimes different friends and that that's fine mm-hmm. but i think if i bumped into someone else maybe who was like I didn't know so well or so like a sort of colleague or something. I think that would be the one thing that would be a little bit, I do worry about that happening sometimes. That Your would be boss. The one thing that would be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily being freelance, I don't have particularly, so, so many colleagues or bosses, but, but yeah, that would be the thing that I think would be the weirdest. I don't know what, mm. what people do in that situation. Um, hide maybe.
0: <laughs> 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 To put more put more water on the rocks so there's loads of steam <laughs> and no one can see your face. Like, oh.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, I think yeah, I think just strangers is not such a problem. Mm-hmm. But you're you you also do you, have you have you been much at all, Nick? Or like
0: you yeah. Um, it's like we've been not not to um a sort of in a fitness studio or anything like that. No, I mean, I think we went. Yeah, so uh, ages ago, I think we went went to a hotel or something and they had a sauna mm. and i realized as i was going into the sort of fitness area or workout area that had a sauna i was like, oh i can have a sauna after this mm. and it was only when i would like sort of set my mind to i'm gonna go in a sauna and i was like quite like this will be really good and it'll like it's good for my paws and all of that yeah. stuff right <laughs> and so i was like sort of mentally ready for it and i was like all right you have to do it in nude and i was like all right well i'll just do that then And I mean, it wasn't horrendous, but I didn't feel like this is, this is something I want to repeat on a regular basis. Like, let's, this is, I feel that comfortable with this. I was like, it's fine. I just didn't know, I I didn't know like the etiquette. And I felt like if I, I didn't want to look at anything. So you're just sort of looking at the floor. And I was like, if I catch someone's eye, like, I don't definitely don't want that to happen. And I was (laughs) like, so just sort of, I maybe looked really weird, I guess, like quite furtive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, it was fine. Ultimately, it's fine. Like, it's just be an adult about it, but there's a, Part of my brain that's like, nah.
1: I think it really does go against the way we've just like, been. Like, mm-hmm. had, I was speaking to a friend about this at some point recently, and she's uh, she's also British, and she said that she, for her fortieth birthday, had a lot of friends come over from Manchester, and she decided she was going to organize a lot of nice things for people to do. So it was like, yeah, we'll go to this mm-hmm. place, and we'll go for a nice dinner here, and then she was like, and I'll organize a trip to the Bali or a really nice spa, because that's a really nice thing to do on a Sunday. And she said, no one turned up, for, <laughs> no one turned up for the spa part because they all. Oh. Wow. just thought it sounded horrific and they couldn't possibly they couldn't do it at all so mm. so i think it was like her and one other person went to the spa and she was like this is the nicest part guys this is so good you're missing
0: out <laughs> i don't know maybe it's like the ranges of of integration <laughs> maybe it's like a stage that you need to get to it's like you can just deal with this and it's not a problem but i don't think i'm, ne- I'm like if i came across a group of people who were like uh nudists i don't mm-hmm. think i'd be that weirded out by it not i think i probably would have been when i first moved I first came here it's like one of those things that I've just put in a category of German things that people like that I don't really like that much and probably <laughs> will try to avoid kind of like um Tzulzau or like one of these like horrendous sort of um Farine sort of clubs that they have or like the various other things driving 200 kilometers an hour on the autobahn that's in the box too so yeah it could
1: be a big category I feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no, yeah. I'm just not going to eat awful that kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> so abby we had an ulterior motive i guess for bringing you on to the podcast (laughs) yeah you're very experienced um uh, you're a very experienced freelancer and it's a topic that comes up a lot certainly for people coming to germany asking questions about like employment and some people come with jobs and some people come looking for work so i thought maybe um we could ask you a few questions about your experiences and we'll also get simon to add some Bavarian colour to the conversation (laughs) Go for it I guess the first question I'd ask is why might someone want to become a freelancer?
1: Well, different people will have different reasons. There are lots of great things about freelancing. For me personally I guess I can speak for myself. It's been great to be able to work for different places to work on different types of projects to have a bit more control uh, over what you're doing sometimes mm-hmm. and yeah, to work from different places. Yeah, there, there are there are a lot of different things that are good. It also can be challenging. That's not that's not to say it's not challenging. For me, I first actually went freelance uh, completely accident So it was uh, (laughs) less a sort of organized decision. Yeah. It was more, it was when I, uh, so I I, I moved to Germany and I um, applied for a fellowship and also a job. I I got offered them both, which was great. Um, (laughs) And I decided to go for the job, which was Mm -hmm. more, I thought it'd be more um, secure and more stable. And then that fell through right at the last minute. Oh no, no way. Oh, what? So, so, I'd been in Berlin for a, a week, uh, just sort of really blowing through my money and being like, ooh, I'm going to start work in another week. And I just <laughs> have fun. Uh, and then, yeah, suddenly I felt, found out that it had fallen through. So I called the fellowship back up and asked, oh, can I come back on the fellowship? Because, um, you know, and they're like, no, no, not anymore. You've turned down oh, no. already. That's so. so yeah so suddenly i was in a foreign country and i'd quit my job and left and i didn't have a job so that was was how i went freelance
0: whoa it's like totally having the safety net totally just like pulled away from you
1: absolutely absolutely and and i remember that when i got when i when i found out about it i um I think I did that absolute classic thing. I just called my mum and cried. I think that was the first thing I did. Um, But after that, I I spoke to some friends who were also journalists. And I remember one of them saying to me, she's very wise and she always has uh, good advice. And she said to me, I think this could be actually something that's for the best, like, Mm-hmm. you know you've talked about maybe wanting to be freelance at times before but sometimes it takes a bit of bravery to actually yeah, 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 go totally. freelance maybe I wasn't actually brave enough to do that so mm-hmm. um, so yeah and, and, and but the main thing is, is that I haven't had any regrets since then so I think she was right it was, it was uh, for the best because yeah there are lots of great things about being freelance working on your own schedule kind of working different projects that you wouldn't have the chance to do otherwise for different places and travelling more these kind of things and it's, it's obviously very challenging as well of times i wouldn't wouldn't gloss over that but it it can be great
0: it's interesting you said sort of you were sort of thrown into it almost because Mm. of circumstances because i think it's not necessarily what people would would always sort of directly choose because if because it sounds really challenging something that i I worked with a lot of freelancers but it's not something i've ever done because i think yeah just like it forces you to be maybe more creative. I think certainly in your in your industry, I'm sure, like that's it. You have to think more carefully about what you want to do and pitching ideas and stuff like that. What are the like barriers to entry when it when it comes to being like successful as a freelancer especially in berlin is the i'm I'm assuming there is a lot of barriers to entry
1: well it is it is it is difficult generally like i think it takes time to build yourself up as a freelancer so having some savings to can help being part-time doing something part time whatever it is whether it's working in a cafe or something else part-time to Mm tide you over while you're building stuff up can also help i think Initially, the barriers can be that it's just hard to, hard to get people to take your pictures. It's, it's hard to get your name out there. It's hard to kind of get established. And I think, I think in a way, there's almost no shortcut except to take time to, you know, to keep doing things and pushing at it Mm. a little bit. Um, in Berlin specifically, I think that you're a little bit out of work like I guess if you're writing in English for say British publications or American publications, they're going to have their correspondence here. so there's already a lot covered for mm-hmm. by their staff people and there's probably te- generally taking less maybe from Berlin. so that can be another barrier perhaps. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you what you found Simon so.
2: obviously I, I've worked in a very different industry. Mm. I, I came here as an English teacher. Um, which is obviously a very common thing for British people to do uh, when they come over to Germany is you get a, a TEFL course or a CELTA mm. and then you're able to use the fact that you're a native speaker to your advantage. And I think especially in teaching English, it's really unusual to find jobs that are full time with benefits. Um Obviously, Nick mentions that he's never freelanced because he, he was a lucky boy and found a company that was willing to give him a proper contract. It took me, I think, seven years of freelancing before I got an offer mm. um, from the university I was working at uh, to take on a department. And that was the first time where I'd had my health insurance paid it was the first time I'd had paid holiday you mentioned that it's not all like sunny uplands as a freelancer it can be hugely challenging obviously in teaching you have the seasonal elements of it if you're teaching at a university when there's when the university's on holiday you're not making money so that's certainly challenging um, public holidays don't aren't necessarily a good thing when you're a freelancer it's another day you're not going to get paid if you're working on sort of customer facing stuff obviously as a journalist you can still Be productive in that, in that period. And there are, of course, legal requirements as a freelancer as well. I think it's called Scheinfreiberuflich. I think that's the German for it, where companies, obviously it's in their interest to take you on as a freelancer, um, and make you work as much as possible. So they don't have to pay all your benefits, but they still get the staffing. And English language schools certainly take advantage of that. There's a lot of gray area in terms of how many hours you should be working with one job provider and a lot of people come to Germany not knowing the rules because the rules are very complex and written in German uh, so that can certainly be a challenging thing that's a layer of complexity for sure <laughs> And yeah you have to I mean I, I put a lot of faith in the company that brought me over to sort of give me the advice I needed and yeah that, that didn't really transpire I, I, I got put in positions where I made mistakes that they could have helped me avoid but they didn't care to Uh, so i think it's it's easy when you think oh i'm gonna be a freelancer i've got this company that's willing to give me x amount of hours and it's quite stable and the pay's good but then you can't really trust uh, a lot of these organizations because Mm. you aren't an asset to them in the same way as if you were a full-time contracted employee so yeah i mean i'm i've spent the last couple of years trying to find something full-time so that i can have security uh, to use the the, the german word, Like yeah to have my insurance paid to not have to worry about holidays and things like that would be very very nice so hopefully one day that will transpire again yeah,
1: uh, yeah that's i think that is one of the that is the thing with freelancing that's, that's the thing is the lack of financial security or knowing when you're going to get paid can sometimes well often is difficult um, i in, ju- in journalism you mm. often get um like there is, um, pay on publication. So, uh, when something is published, yeah. then, then you will then you're paid for it. Um, but sometimes that can be quite late, uh, and, uh, that something is published quite a long time after you've written it, or then you also get a lot of late payments and that, that can really just sap a lot of your energy.
0: Well, I mean, I worked in this, in this company for a while and you, you would have freelancers come and go. So there was, there's people who were fully employed and people who were freelancers and it always felt like, the freelancers were um yeah i guess i I guess for the 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 contrast was there was this expectation that we'd be more loyal because we were full-time employees and the freelancers would be disloyal and i think that was a Mm. like they would do anything to get work they weren't to be given necessarily the best the best jobs for instance i think there's a perception outside that freelancers are expendable because of all the things you've just mentioned but i think there's a it really is a, a thought process for bosses that they're like well this person can do this this job or that job especially within the english teaching mm. i'm not sure if it's the same within journalism obviously i think there's 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 an insecurity in, in what you said of like when you get paid and mm. and how it works and, and, and late payments and mm. things like that yeah
1: yeah i guess i guess with journalism you're working on a commission by commission basis often so mm-hmm. it's per mm-hmm. article per feature so you're Fairly secure in terms of that you're going to do this feature because that's been commissioned. Um, yeah. But yeah, always getting a lot of regular commissions that can be challenging, and then the payment thing also makes it that, that, that's that's quite um, difficult for a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 also it's also can be really great. So it's not all negative. But yeah, the, the, it's hard to hard to dismiss the financial insecurity when freelancing. I think,
2: especially as a foreigner, when it comes to like chasing payments. Yeah. Uh, it can be very, very challenging because there are again there are companies that know that you're not necessarily going to pony up a few thousand for a lawyer to actively chase things, and so there can be a lot of umming and ahring about paying you on time. And of course, that's hugely stressful if you're if you've got a couple of grand that you know you should have already, and then you're having to email and chase personally. Um, you don't have an accounting department to run these things for you it's, it's it can be very very demoralizing yeah um i, I realize i'm being very bleak <laughs> in almost everything i say so far about freelancing
0: there's, there's a, there is a contrast that we've not really mentioned which is the industry that you're both in and i think with teaching mm. you have this weird situation where people want to have english teachers so there's a lot of them around and a lot of people have had a, a Um, teaching experience or got a TEFL when they came over just in case. Mm. I've heard the just in case a lot and you've got a lot of people doing it. There's a lot of work out there because a lot of people want to learn English and there's a a real dramatic range in quality between like the best places and the worst places. The worst places can be literally sort of um, work at the bone. I mean we had Simon would tell us stories about being called on a Sunday to go to work and that would never happen within the work I was doing Mm. but I think what it feels it's slightly different i think because from what abby what you're saying is well first off it's a creative Mm. industry and i think also there's a there's a there just i feel like there's a difference in the way it's sort of structured in the in the sense that there is there's 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 work out there but you have to be of a certain standard so there's a certain minimum expectation of treatment maybe in a way that in when you're competing with someone who could rock up on a backpacking tour and decide to do six weeks of english teaching just to cut, tie them over, and that's your competition. Mm. Like if you were competing against someone who was like writing in crayon or something, you know, <laughs> that'd be the contrast. I don't know if that's I mean, a fair contrast, yeah, but you know what I mean.
1: Maybe I'm not sure. I think I think with um freelancing and journalism, it seems in lots of ways there aren't many rules in the same way that there would be with other things. So there's nothing to stop someone with loads and loads of experience pitching a story, and then someone else with hardly any experience pitching the same story, and you know, an editor mm-hmm. might take one. Or other if they like the story, so yeah it's it's not, but on the surface, that's true, but often you're also kind of selling yourself a little bit, you're saying, you know, I've write for these places, here's some things I've written before, and then that lends a weird uh element of kind of um image or public profile or whatever to it. Like people sometimes feel like they've really got to build a profile on Twitter or things like this and this mm-hmm. and public commissions and so it's kind of yeah, there's a similar thing in that you're competing against different people from different who've got with different levels of experience. Um and on on the surface it doesn't matter what you know, anyone could go for any pitch any story and anything but there is like these kind of more subtle kind of things that maybe people feel also make a difference which is can make it yeah it can just add an extra element of feeling like you know some people might fall like, oh, you know I'm, got writing experience but i'm not so good with social media is that holding me back mm. I, mean, I, I don't
0: know the- i'm not sure how important social media accounts are they're like teaching it Burlitz or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, yeah. you've only you have you've only got 100 twitter followers you can't you can't be i'm high. not
1: sure yeah i'm not sure how important they are with, with journalism it's just something that feels it's
0: something that people no no i think you're right though i think the one especially nowadays with the way um media companies and and, and newspapers are the need to get people reading. And if you've got an audience that's already like maybe reading stuff you're doing or um like is willing to listen to things that you're tweeting about or or for, God forbid Facebooking about. But um you know what I mean? I guess this sort of leads to a question about like you've both talked about how there's there's the good sides and the bad sides to to freelancing. Uh but one of the things you've you've both talked about is the sort of lack of a safety net. Is that is that terrifying? that that lack of security or is it liberating
1: i think it depends on the type of person that you are um i once um i once uh, briefly dated an accountant who just always was bringing it up is like absolutely horrified but you know how could you not know exactly what's gonna happen (laughs) like i think he just like even just the thought of it just brought him out in some sort of cold sweat i think for me i've got used to kind of not knowing what's happening i've got used to the uncertainty and it's okay i'm I'm used to it i know i've got comfortable comfortable enough that something normally comes in if you're worrying about stuff if work's gone slow it does normally eventually pick up again uh it's it can be stressful and challenging and it definitely helps to have other freelancers that you know around that you can kind of have these conversations in a whatsapp group or and people to reassure you like if you're having a wobble, like, you know, things will be things will pick mm-hmm. up again or things like that. So yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's liberating, but I think I've I'm I'm used to the <laughs> I'm I'm used to uh, living in that sort of slightly uncertain space. Yeah, but I can totally see I think for a lot of people it would be horrible and they would mm-hmm. not like that. I, I don't know how you both feel but
2: There's definitely been times where it's been terrifying. Um when when you know that next month, for example, if, if if there's holidays coming and you know that all the participants who have kids are going to go on holiday and so there's going to be cancellations and you know that there's not much in the bank account and you know it's not going to be a good month, the next one or two, that can be really, really hard. But at the same time, it is very liberating. And I, I know from experience that, I mean, I say Nick had a, a decent full-time contract with a company, but when I had a good month, I, I made a lot more money. Because I I, I was mm-hmm. able to certainly to take a lot more on, whereas Nick was limited by what his company allowed him to do. So yeah, there were a few months where I made really really good money as a teacher, and that was fantastic. And I, I felt like I was flying high. I, c- I can't ever say that I made really good money being an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is possible. I mean, I mean, Nick mentioned Berlitz, and if you're doing English teaching at Berlitz, then you're not you're never going to make great money. Uh, these these large chains of language schools all pay very very poorly um so it's about building contacts and and getting a foot in the door at companies that are kinder to their staff uh and yeah i was lucky that i i got to know some people who basically sorted me out with work um and good contacts that allowed me to to up my my hourly rate considerably i I think i doubled my rate in after about four years Um, and of course that's that's a huge difference I mean, Germany. The minimum wage now coming in is twelve euros, and that's pretty much what you get at, at Berlitz uh, and these language schools. Yeah. So, it's a good place to start if you've never taught before uh, and you want to like get to grips with like commanding a classroom and dealing with what our customers. But yeah, it's, it's not it's not really enough.
1: I, I would I would say for, for, for journalists and for me like the the. Um... It's, it makes a huge difference if you can get a side gig or a gig that's kind of um, regular so you know that you've got some security and then the rest you can work out on, on top of it. And I've had periods where I haven't had that and I've just been doing kind of commission to commission and that that's more stressful, um, and it's it's been okay, but it's more stressful. But when you know that you've got at least something, then it's like that takes a lot of the pressure off, and you can then enjoy the rest of it a bit more. So that's kind of the dream to have have a have a regular, steady gig of some sort, and then. To other stuff on top of it if you can work that arrangement out i think that works really. And of well. course
2: different cities have different advantages to that in berlin you have a lot more yeah. opportunity as someone who mm. maybe doesn't speak much german like there is work available and you can i say get a job in a cafe or something um yeah. to help sort of pad the account a bit and i, I found down in where i live in Nuremberg and bayern you have pubs uh, where you can work as as a, as a non-german speaker but apart from that it's actually quite challenging uh, so i think that is something to consider and obviously the majority of people who leave the uk for germany do end up in berlin so that does have a sort of a different set of advantages i think when you're starting off as a freelancer
0: i would have thought berlin's the right place especially if you you're writing i mean first off it's it's a big city there's a lot of um input that input sounds like it makes me sound like I'm a freaking scientist. Um there's a lot of like a lot of like things to see, stuff to do, um lot of stuff that you can make stories out of or, or write about. I think if you were living in a tiny village in the Oberfeld, so I think you would have slightly different stories, <laughs> mostly about cows and, and, and milking and processes. But which might be interesting to a certain audience. But I think if you if you're wanting to write about lots of different topics, Berlin's obviously a good place place to be for for that reason but also i mean i think it's a perception of your audience as well if if you've got an english speakers a lot of them don't think about leipzig or Mm. um, augsburg for instance (laughs) where i live they're not thinking oh like these are even places that they that they want to hear sort of a, a a tagline with like berlin in it you know berlin's definitely got more um currency with those audiences i would have thought or frankfurt or munich
2: yeah
1: well no i was just going to say that i think for um for journalism that can be a good thing and also a bad thing because there is already a lot of other writers and journalists in berlin um that berlin is already quite covered quite well so in a way that can always be um then we can make it a little bit harder that it's people. Okay, we already got someone in Berlin, or we already heard something. If you, for journalism, or if you want to write, it's quite good to go somewhere where no one else is and find the stories about those cows. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
0: wherever. so the cow story no a goer, right? I'm going to pitch it now. I'm going to <laughs> I sort mean, that out.
1: Yeah, it depends on the place. If, if, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a really small village that doesn't have anything going on might be a hard one, particularly. But, 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 yeah, somewhere where not much, el- no no, other, no one else is reporting from, could actually be a great place to be. Um, but what I would say that Berlin is great for if you're, if you're going as a, as a kind of freelancer or creative or, or whatever is, uh, it's just got a great kind of community of people mm. doing. Similar things and, and, um, and that makes a huge difference, like what we've said already with the sort of some of the challenges with this kind of thing. If you've, if you've got other people around who have like maybe a similar lifestyle or, um, just get it and that, that makes a huge difference. And I feel the city itself is a bit more kind of almost geared towards that Mm. compared with (laughs) London, for example. I found London, just as a small example, uh, before, before Covid, uh, when it was easy to just go to cinema, um, at the last minute, I would quite often just go in the afternoon by myself, uh, if I suddenly met a deadline and something. In Berlin, I'd do that and, um, it'll be lots of other people there just by themselves in the <laughs> afternoon or a few people. I tried doing it in London and it was just me and uh, sort of one old couple. <laughs> it was like, okay, so the, the afternoon freelance cinema sessions don't work quite as well in London for me as they did in, in Berlin. So I think, yeah, there's a lot more kind of freelancers and people working in that way. And that makes a huge difference. I think perhaps also compared with other parts of Germany, in that sense, it's a bit easier.
0: What a lot of people would be concerned about as freelancers, especially in, in a different country, but specifically in Germany, is the sort of financial element you're dealing with a tax or with yeah well you're dealing with taxes in a different country and often the information isn't forthcoming in english if you're not an excellent german speaker because you really do have to be an excellent yeah. german speaker to understand tax law yeah. <laughs> in germany yeah. like what uh what advice do you have for people who when they're thinking about sort of finances or things to be aware of if the Want to come to Germany and work as a freelancer?
1: Uh, I, I might not be the best person for advice on this. Like maybe Simon needs to give me some advice. On this, but, <laughs> I'll try. Um, yeah, it, it's it's it. This is de- <laughs> this is definitely a challenging element of of freelancing in Germany. It's it is a little bit of a nightmare. I made the mistake of got to you've got to register yourself as a freelancer and you kind of fill in this form. It's all in German. It's it's you don't understand a lot of it. Mm. <laughs> You're trying to fill in this form and i i think it's like um uh you can tick something that if you don't think you're going to be earning so much in the first year that you're freelancing you don't have to pay a certain amount of uh, vat tax if that um but if you take the wrong box then you're suddenly gonna to have to pay a lot of it even mm-hmm. if you're not <laughs> earning so mm-hmm. i'm basically i made the mistake of ticking ticking the wrong box uh somewhere on this german language form and just having you know tons of money taken out that i didn't understand why it was been taken out or what it was. oh (laughs) no
0: that's a nightmare
1: yeah Yeah. so that that don't do that basically my first my my main bit of advice is is just when you fill in the form get someone to help you don't think oh it's fine i can just fill in Mm -hmm. this form myself it's easy like maybe really check everything i mean maybe this is very obvious to other people um but yeah, just really, really, check it, double check it, get someone else to help you. It's complicated.
0: But even when you're double checking, you're like triple check. Cause I found that as well with forms yeah. is like, you think it's obvious and then it's, it's not, especially with these kinds of forms.
1: It's not, and it's not clear. And, um, yeah, and it, it is difficult and it is hard because especially if you're, if you're, if you're not so confident in your German or your German isn't so good and then you, uh are calling up the finance arms and 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 that's you do have to speak in German a lot of the time to these people so that's it can be quite complicated so you just want to make sure just to try and avoid problems it's good to just really be triple check you know go through it 10 times make sure the form is filled in correctly don't do that what I did so but maybe you've got some some better advice I I think you've
2: you've hit the first piece of advice brilliantly that is key (laughs) uh do the forms correctly um (laughs) The Finanzamt is no joke here. No. Uh, it is a pretty terrifying entity. As you say, you do have to speak German with them. And um, the majority of, of, of people that work at the Finanzamt don't want to communicate these policies in English for fear of making a mistake, because then there is the reliability issues. So there is a responsibility to do it in German. And I mean, yeah, I studied A-level German uh, I've got a long history in this country. When I first moved here, I was completely at sea. I had no hope of understanding this. And Google Translate or any translation engine is not enough uh, to deal with the language connected to taxes in Germany. The main advice is absolutely you have to do the registration and anything with a native speaker, and ideally someone that has a background. It will make a huge difference. And I. I Almost every freelancer I know has made a mistake with a finance amp that costs thousands mm. at one point. Uh, I certainly got hit with a bill for, I think, three grand after a few years here where I was like, I cannot pay this <laughs> at all. This, I am completely screwed. Mm. And they have a lot of reach as well. So they can they can basically take hold of your bank account uh, and they limit it. I think at the time I was limited to a €1,000 a month is what I could take out of my own account and everything else went to paying off my bill with a finance umpt. and if you're a freelancer alone in the country without a support network without savings that is a really shitty state of affairs uh, so it is absolutely worth getting a tax advisor um it's not cheap naturally i think generally for my wife and i to do off, uh, our taxes is about 500 euros to have them done professionally but it is worth it because there are lots of things you can take advantage of as a freelancer. Loads of loopholes, yeah. In, Loads in of loopholes and things report, you yeah. can claim against. So having a an office at home gives a lot of extra um, tax back. Um, work clothes, things like that. Yeah, all like sorts if you things. wear clothes to work, then you can claim that back. Yeah, or, your stationery, uh, yeah. all sorts of things. So it is. it's really, really key, especially at the start to do that and once you've done it once then you have a much better footing and you know you're not going to get hit with a big bill later on so that's really key um so i mean in terms of tips and advice for freelancers i, I had a little look around and i found an article from accountable.de mm-hmm. um, we'll link the account in, in the in the description of the podcast uh, so I just have the the nine tips they give for the self-employed. The first thing they say is make sure you do everything right from the start. <laughs> Which is Definitely is very fair. true, but it's not very helpful. Um, but yeah, it does that is right. If you do everything right from the start, life is going to be better. Um, number two, use the deductibility of business expenses as huge. It will save you a lot as a freelancer. Uh, three, deduct the costs from your home office. Um, at the moment as well, there's, uh, there's increased payback because of increased energy use at home for people being in yeah. home office. So you are getting more tax back for that. Um, number four, don't forget to deduct your work equipment, as we've already mentioned. Uh, number five, again, another really helpful one here, educate yourself and save taxes. <laughs> uh, so thanks, accountable.de. Um, number six, reduce taxes with per diems. Uh, seven, save taxes when on business, traveling and in restaurants. Uh, again, that's not mm-hmm. something you're going to know as a foreigner who's sort of starting off. So that is key to get this advice. Uh, Number eight is pay attention to tax prepayments. Um, This is something that you will have to do and you kind of think, oh, I've paid off my tax. And then at the end of the year, you get a big bill and it's like, oh shit, my tax prepayments weren't high enough from what I was going to earn. And number nine, another helpful one, prepare for the future today. Uh, so. <laughs> I feel like three of those were like just life <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, it, it very, it very much. is very zen of accountable.de. Um, but the article that we'll, we'll pin does have a lot more information and examples of things you can do. Uh, so if you are a freelancer uh, out there, uh, check it it's, out. Um,
1: also, I don't know. I, 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 there is at least one organization which you can join up as a freelancer and they take care of like you're part of, like, they 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 sort of technically kind of employ you, even though you're a freelancer and you're not actually employed mm-hmm. by them. So, they basically take care of all of the these uh sort of tax and healthcare and financial elements for it. All right, but so that can be helpful if you really really want to have some and invoicing. I think they also take care of so that can be helpful if you really just want to get rid of all of this stress. But I think the problem is they probably do take quite a uh, you know,
0: a cut. Yeah, I think any, you, you're going to have to pay for advice. Like, it's, there's no chance. I think the idea of getting a tax advisor, like the, the geordie part of my brain's like, ooh, you got a tax <laughs> advisor. Oh, like, ooh, fancy, you know, like, but actually, I mean, it's, it's so common here. Like, I know. Just in the circle of people that I know, I know at least six tax advisors, which is a terrible thing to admit, but it's just kind of normal. Like your neighbours are going to be tax
2: advisors. I mean, it, it is a different. It's a different standard here in Germany. Like yeah, tax it's... law is so complex and ever changing that to have a tax advisor who is good at their job and is at the bleeding edge of change will save you money. It's not just something that might be good. Uh, it is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, yeah. The other thing to uh, to note as well uh, if you're on social media you'll see a lot of adverts uh, for companies that will do your tax and they'll do it in english and you'll be done in 10 minutes so i've not seen one of them that supports freelancers um th- all these companies are set up to quickly do pay slips from a from an employer in a very sort of standard way uh, so don't just think if you're a freelancer oh i've seen an advert for that i'll use that when the time comes They they probably won't support freelance uh, payments there, so it is really worth the money. It's not ideal uh, to pay for a tax advisor, and as Nick said, you can feel maybe a little bit hoity-toity uh, doing so. But it will, it, it will be worth it. Yeah. Absolutely, will it, be.
1: It is a little frustrating sometimes when some of the some things are not catered towards uh, freelancers or make things a lot harder for freelancers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do wish that was something that changed, because so many people are freelance now and in lots of ways I know we've talked about the financial insecurity but actually once you're an established freelancer in lots of ways it can be almost more secure that you're not going to get fired from one place if you've got you know five different Mm -hmm. people that you're working with and -hmm. yet sometimes you do feel that there's some discrimination against freelancers when you're looking for Mm -hmm. say a house or I mean the house is the main one that comes to mind like things where people see you as not not so secure and therefore they don't want to take you or let you and that's yeah that seems old-fashioned to me almost um especially in a mm-hmm. city like berlin where it's that you've, you've got so many people
0: who are living that way so well there's a lot of gig, gig economy jobs are, are freelance mm-hmm. as well like it's mm-hmm. it's it's becoming sort of part of the job market basically it's and, and but I, I think you're right i think my, my wife always talks about how i've never had to worry about getting a, a house like she was saying that before we bought this place and I was like, well, no, because you're a gymnasium teacher. You work yeah. for the state. Like <laughs> you're like the preferred yeah. person. It's like, oh, you've got a job for life. All right, yeah, of course we're going to rent you this apartment or sell you this thing. Um, I think there is that. There is a discrimination for landlords especially. Yeah. And in a place like Berlin where it's already got those kinds of issues, anyway. Thousands of people queuing to get apartments yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like it can be, it can be a real, a real kicker.
2: But I think masking zero-hour contracts as being a freelancer oh, yeah. mm-hmm. is also not. It's really, it's really shit. Yeah. I think at least in England, they're a lot more candid <laughs> about that. Um, but you see a lot of these zero-hour contract companies like gorillas or yeah gorillas is a good example yeah last minute uh, delivery things they they sell it as if you're like taking control of your own destiny whereas really you're just at the beck and call of a company that has no commitment to you whatsoever and yeah if if you're a foreigner in a new country that is not a place that's comfortable to be in and I, i think yeah mentioning like rent and getting an apartment especially in berlin where i mean you just have to open twitter and there will be someone every day being like, I'm looking for an apartment, I've been looking for four months, I can't find anything, can just retweet help. And that's that's really sad. It's really, really sad that the cut and thrust is so, so grisly up there. This might seem like a stupid thing to say, right? But
0: as a person who's never, never freelance, I do still think there's like a romantic quality to it. Do you not know think? That's, that's like, so they're just, <laughs> like no. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about, and maybe it's an odd way to sort of draw the conversation to a close, but... Like we've talked about the, the facts of everything and and, and the, the things that can go wrong. but there is a sense of like like it's on you isn't it? Mm-hmm. there's like there's like an independent that independent element where like you're it's about you if you are motivated or uh, you can be creative enough or you can push yourself enough, you can get a lot of things that you want within the the job that you've chosen. And there's a, there's a lot of jobs that, that have the security but not a lot of opportunity to progress or to improve or to achieve maybe a higher level of like again this might be really naive abby so you can tell me but like going from sort of like a a sort of small website where you're writing stuff to maybe writing for the guardian or the telegraph or, or deutsche Welle, like that's like you can sit back and go well i did that there wasn't any, oh, well, I'm, I had to speak to this person and like I was friends with this person and, and then I worked in this shitty bit for ages. There's like, there is, feels like there's a little bit more like gratification coming from. From it, or am I just being a total naive? Yeah, I don't
1: know. I think for me, uh, I I definitely feel. I think to a certain extent, I'm prouder in a way of all the things that I've done while being freelance because mm-hmm. it does feel like you know the idea of it. To a certain extent, you can think that it's your own business that you have sort of set up. It's like it's something that you've done that's you've created, and it's all. You know, it, it, nothing is coming easy to you a lot of the time when you're freelance. You push to get this, you have you've pitched this idea, you've done this. And like, it's something that I feel proud of in a way that I, I mean, I might have felt proud of the individual things that I'd done when I was in a staff job. But I think that that sense of pride and achievement is a bit greater for me with, as as as, um, as a freelancer. Uh, And also, I heard someone once say that um, since they had been freelance, they had felt that the highs had been higher and the lows had been lower. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know... if everyone would agree, but I felt for me that, res- that resonated because it's, it's, it's almost quite emotional as well. You have challenges when you're really like, oh, what am I doing? No one's ever going to take my work again. And it's, you know, that the lows can feel lower because they feel, oh God, this is really, I'm really scared or something. But then once you suddenly get a commission for somewhere that you've not written for, that you've totally got off your own back and then, mm-hmm. it, you know, that that's, that's a real high. So it's, I think sometimes you can see a freelancer and think wow, that, that looks great, they're, they're in Boston, they're doing loads of different stuff, but yeah. you don't always see all of the hard work that's going on underneath it. But yeah, I, I think... I think there's an element of, of, of what you say, of of being able to feel proud about what you're doing. I, it would take a very special job for me to to go full-time in a staff job again now.
0: That says a lot, like, that does say a lot. Yeah, so, so I'm glad you've not shattered my romantic vision, but here comes Simon. <laughs> I have a feeling he's going <laughs> to yeah. he's going give yeah, it a kicking.
2: One of the really nice things I, I found from being a freelancer over the years is obviously you work with a lot of people, a lot of companies that try and act as if they're your boss and they'll talk to you as if you're a member of staff or treat you poorly, and there is a real joy in that flick of a switch, and you will be like, "You're not my boss." Mm. Like that is very, very nice. I mean, I've had some some crap bosses along the way as a freelancer who have tried very hard to micromanage me, and th- there is real joy in being like, "I, I, I don't work for you. I work yeah. with you." That is that can be very, very nice, uh, and that freedom to not have to take shit uh, from a bad organization. You can just move on to the next thing is really nice you don't want to be trapped in a, an abusive relationship like, like all the sort of corporate corporate bullshit that comes with with teaching as well as
0: like sort of there's that element i guess it's, it's the same with journalism there's like a, an element of the rules that you have to follow as an employee that you don't as yeah, a freelancer.
1: i think there's probably across industries uh, in workplaces there's unspoken rules and um i don't know ways to get ahead and i think it does depend on personality a little bit because i always i always felt like i wasn't very <laughs> wasn't very good at that so so maybe a lot of freelancers are people who <laughs> aren't good at that so uh, have done it a different way i don't know
0: is, but there's a superficiality involved mm. in like work 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 environments like that like you, and it goes back to what you said about having a network of, of freelancers who have the same hours and maybe have the same problems you kind of get to choose your colleagues instead of being thrust into an office where like oh there's there's Jürgen he's a character and you're like oh right (laughs) (laughs) great this is something I gotta look forward to I think the choice is what's quite alluring like the things you get to choose as opposed to things that are thrust on you that seems quite
1: exciting yeah definitely I think there's quite a big difference between like we're saying people who are you know being who are on a zero hours contract, or who don't want to be, you know, or people who are really um, struggling to make it work, and then people who are okay, established, they've chosen it, and they're kind of, you know, I think it can be, it can be very difficult, but if you can, if you, if you're in a situation where you're choosing to do it and it's working for you, then I think it can be great.
0: Service dominant era that brings us to the end of another episode of decades from home first and foremost i'd just like to thank abby for joining us if you enjoyed the chat well it's only part one next week we will be uh, rejoining abby for the second part of our conversation where we'll talk about berlin and the differences between the capital of Germany and, well, Bavaria, of course. Yeah, so if you want to find Abby online, you can find her on Twitter, at Abby Young Powell, or you can go to her webpage, com. I suggest you do have a read of some of her work. It's fantastic. The next bit of exciting news is uh, you heard my call to arms, and we are now ranked... On Spotify, that doesn't mean you have to stop there. Please continue to share and rank and rate and give stars to the show on whatever platform you happen to listen to. It would be quite interesting to tell us what platforms you uh, listen on. Uh, at the moment, we only have uh, stats for, for Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So if you're listening on a particularly interesting app, do reach out and let us know course if you're enjoying the podcast you can give us ratings on itunes and that only takes a minute can really help us you can also of course give us more stars on spotify the more the merrier we say so chuck some stars our way there if you feel so inclined you can retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home all lowercase on twitter or instagram if you're super super generous like a number of very special listeners you can also support the podcast on ko-fi.com coffee.com slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked with tea and beer and all the other lovely things that we enjoy. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon at Decades From Home and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40 percentgermancom Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!